The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From Vogue, The Run-Through, a new weekly podcast featuring the most riveting news in fashion and culture, with Vogue's take on the big stories, fashion in relation to sports, culture, and politics, from the red carpets and runways to political and cultural events, bringing you undertold stories from around the globe, with voices rarely accessible and uncommonly authentic. On this season of The Run-Through, Serena Williams, Michaela Cole, Mathieu Blasé, and more. The Run-Through with Vogue. I'm Chloe Mao. I'm Cho Minaldi. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, it is all about self-love and prioritizing yourself. I'm talking to psychologist Dr. Molly Burritz. She is a clinical psychologist and women's wellness and relationship expert. I talked to her about how to prioritize yourself in relationships, tips for showing up for yourself, especially when you're not feeling your best. And then if you are looking for a therapist, how to find a therapist, or if you're talking to your partner about one, how to go into couples therapy together. If you want to hear from Dr. Molly Burritz, keep listening and don't forget to follow Life with Mariana on Spotify or subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and review if you're loving it. Now let's get into the episode. Valentine's Day is here and a lot of people are thinking about romantic relationships when it comes to Valentine's Day. But really, I think the most important relationship first is the one that we have with ourselves. Why is self-love so important? Well, you know, it's the foundation of everything, how we walk through the world, how we relate to ourselves, and then how we show up everywhere we go. And, you know, I think that there's this idea that we have to fill our own well first, we have to take care of ourselves, we have to love ourselves, so that we can show up for other people. And I kind of bristle a little bit at that, because I don't understand why it always has to be about so that we can show up for other people. What's wrong with just really filling our own cup and feeling great about ourselves just for the purpose of being good to ourselves? I totally agree. I think there was a quote that I heard a long time ago, and it was to look for a relationship that's complementary, not supplementary. And it's like, we should just like show up as our best selves. And like, this is how I feel. And hopefully you're adding to this. Absolutely. And what can we do on these days that we maybe just don't love ourselves or we're not feeling great about ourselves? You know, I think the first thing to remember is to just give yourself permission to not be your most loving self every single day. You know, we forget that we as human beings are living organic creatures. And if you look at plant life, for example, we don't expect a rose to be in bloom 365 days out of the year. We expect that a rose is going to come into bloom, it's gonna smell lovely, it's going to look gorgeous, and then it will have a period of decay where it has to die to come back to life again. And especially in our capitalist society, we do not allow that for ourselves as living organic creatures. We expect that we're always going to be in bloom and it's just not realistic. So when we're not feeling loving toward ourselves, when we're not at our best, it really is starts with this expectation that we should be something different than we're not. And I think if we start at the place that, you know what, it's okay if today is not my best day. It's okay if today I'm a little down on myself. Another day is coming and an opportunity for me to bloom and be better and feel better is just around the corner. That gives us so much permission and takes the pressure off. I love that 
analogy with the rose because obviously like all our days can't be great or else we wouldn't be grateful for the good days because we're not having the days where we're maybe not feeling so great as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you are having those days and, you know, I think it's, it's easier to tell ourselves that when we're feeling good, but when we're not feeling good, it's maybe a little bit more challenging to be like, it's okay that I feel this way. So are there any kind of practices or habits or things that we can do when we are having one of those days that we don't feel great? Absolutely. And I think, you know, you have to tap into your own intuition. You know, you know yourself. And so if you are feeling badly and you want to feel better, think about what are the things I know about me that have made me feel better in the past? You're going to know if having some chocolates and staying bed is the kind of self-care that you need, if that's worked for you before. But if you're a person who, when you stay in bed and maybe you reward yourself with food, you end up just feeling worse then you might want to stay away from that and like kind of act opposite. So instead of eating more or relaxing more, you want to get more active and more engaged. Maybe you want to get some exercise. Maybe you want to make plans with friends. So I think if you take a look at what has worked for you in the past, recreate things that you know make you feel better and try to act opposite to the things that you know haven't helped you, that's a good starting point. That's great advice. One of the things that my business partner did is she has a thing called a spirit list and anything that makes her feel good or lifts her spirits, she writes them down in a notes app on her phone. And anytime she's feeling one of those days where she's feeling down or anxious or just needs to lift herself up, she'll go back to this list. And remember, these are the things that made me feel good. It could be a person. It could be a song. It could be a snack. It could be an activity. But sometimes when you're not feeling great, you kind of forget what those things are that make you feel good. So if you're listening, think about those things as you're doing them that make you happy and go back and reflect on those when you might need a little pick me up. I love that so much. That inspires me to start my own list. And I know that for me, a really big thing is music. Music has the power to change what I'm feeling dramatically, depending on what I choose to put on. And it can be so inspirational to me. So that is going to go top on my list. Yeah, same. One day I was just having like a really rough day and I turned on Beyonce like full blast. And I told myself, I'm going to dance around in my room and smile the entire like three minutes of this song. And I was like, I know it just feels so cheesy, but by the end of it, I felt so much better just by like forcing myself to smile and move and like not think about something and like just keep active for a couple minutes. And so I kind of just tricked my mind with music that day. I hope that Beyonce knows what she has done for the woman race. (laughs) I know it's like, it's it's just amazing the mood that it, it changed for me. Let's take a quick break to talk about hair. One of the most things that you guys ask me all the time is what do I take for my hair? What does my mom take? Because I posted this before and after of her and you guys were like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So she's been taking Nutrafol for over a year now and her before and after, it's shocking. Like it's so incredible. It inspired me to start it for myself. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you are among them, know that you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting five root causes of thinning, which are stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women through all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician-formulated using natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients in consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. 
In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after just six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Mariana to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. So get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Mariana. We're talking about Valentine's Day and so many of us struggle with our worth and being tied to relationships or what other people think about our relationship status. So how can we, especially thinking around this time of year, not feel like our worth is tied to whether we have a significant other or not? Mariana, this requires so much deconstruction of what we have been taught our entire lives. If you think about how women are celebrated and how we are rewarded, so much of how we are celebrated is tied to us being in relationship to others. So think about the parties we have for ourselves. We have parties when we get engaged. We have parties when we get married. We have parties for baby showers when we're expecting. All of those things, the times we celebrate women, are times that we're honoring how we are related to someone else, right? Wow. And it really just seems as women get older and older, birthday parties go away. Birthdays become something to be ashamed about rather than a celebration. And there's less and less opportunity to celebrate yourself. So it's no wonder that we want to be in relation to other people so badly. Not only is it a deep human need, but it's also how we are recognized and celebrated as women in the world. So I think just first off coming from a place of it is totally normal that you feel that way, that you want to be in relationship. One, because connection is how we survive. And two, because it's as women, especially how we are seen and how we are rewarded. And so deconstructing that takes some effort. And especially around Valentine's Day, I'll I'll tell you, Mariana, I'll confess, my husband and I, we actually don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Hmm. And it took a while for me to just choose, like, I'm going to opt out. I'm opting out because the pressure is so high. People get so disappointed. Their expectations are not met. And What I like to really do around Valentine's Day is to intentionally honor the love in my life that society doesn't recognize as much. And even though I am in relationship on Valentine's Day, I'm paying attention to my friends. I'm paying attention to my child. I'm paying attention to my doggy. I'm paying attention to my sisters and my parents. I just wish we could expand this idea that Valentine's Day is about romantic love and extend it to all the kinds of love in our life. I think if you get creative and you look at your life, you can find sources of love in so many different places other than just a romantic relationship. And I think Valentine's Day is an opportunity to amplify those love relationships and honor them in a way that we typically don't. But it really does require us to deconstruct this way of thinking that a romantic relationship is the most important relationship. And I just don't think that's true. 
I, there's so many sidebars here because it was like everything you were saying, I was like, yes, 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 to all these things. I saw this clip the other day and I kind of forgot about it from Sex in the City. And it was when Carrie was talking about how I spent so much money on my friend for her bridal shower, for her wedding, for her baby shower, for her a birth of a baby. And then I think as women, we think, oh, the end goal then is we need to get married and we need to you know, have this wedding and things like that, instead of the focus being on, oh, I want to have a happy relationship and I want to be in this loving like place. It's more about, oh, I want to celebrate with these moments versus like what it's actually about. Right. I love that scene from Sex and the City, totally classic. And also think, Mariana, about like the timeline which we do these things. In the United States, the average woman gets married around age 27. And most people are having their babies in their 20s and, you know, early to mid 30s. Not everyone, but that's pretty average, right? And so if these big milestones are celebrated and honored at that time in your life, what is left in your life to really honor and celebrate? Hopefully, you know, if life is good to you, you've got another 50 years to go. And are you just past your prime and the things that are most important have happened to you already? You know, it just it's a silly way to look at the timeline of our lives. I did a really good exercise that really helped me reframe this because I'm 36. I don't have kids yet. And I wrote down everything I thought I wanted to accomplish in my life personally and professionally. And by the time I got to 45, I had nothing left to write. And I thought, wow, if I rush through all these things and think like, I think when I was in my early 20s, I was like, oh, but I'm, I'm 30. I'm going to be married and have kids. Well, 30 like came and passed. It didn't happen yet. And I saw that everything I wanted to be done was done by my mid forties. I had nothing left to look forward to. And that changed my mind to say, I want to look forward to more things in life. Like I don't need to rush to do these things because of a certain time frame. And so it's so great now. And I think I have so many peers and friends and there's so many people who share online too, of getting married later in life or choosing not to get married and to be in a partnership or to have kids their own way and the timeline that they choose. And I am so grateful for their stories and that they share this because it, it makes me feel better and less pressure about doing things just because how old I am. Yes, totally. That you know, these articles that are in Forbes like, you know, most successful people under 30, it creates so much pressure to succeed and achieve all your goals at an early age and you know, I'll just share with you, I was 37 when I got married and I was 40 when I had my baby. And I don't regret those decisions at all. I was in a completely different place in my life at those times. And I was much more available and open to having the kind of experience that I wanted to have than I would have been 10 years earlier. And of course, everybody's timeline in life is different. But that's another thing I talk to women about a lot, which is I, their idea that I should have done this already. And I always have them ask, like, how much of your suffering is coming from the fact that you actually don't have this thing you want versus your judgment about yourself that you should already have it and that you're too late. Yeah. And I think a lot of that judgment is some of it comes internally and then a lot of it gets like repeated to us externally. So it's friends and family asking us like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Like, do, do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner yet? So what can we do or how can we respond to people who pressure us about having timelines, whether you want it for yourself, which then makes you feel worse or you don't want it and they're pressuring you for something that you don't even want yourself? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I always just kind of, 
I encourage people to answer questions with questions. I think that's a really good way to like flip the script. So, you know, I remember I lived in Texas in my 20s. I moved to Texas and nobody could understand why I would be 30 years old and still not married. And so when they would ask me like, why aren't you married yet? I would say, how did you know when you were ready to get married? And it would flip the script and people would kind of see, see themselves in the spotlight. And you could often have a really interesting conversation. And it just kind of sends this message that, you know what, I'm more interested in you than you are in me. And it kind of lets you get out of the conversation without having to reveal anything that you're not comfortable with. That's a really good point because I feel like personally, people ask me kind of in my personal life, but then online, I get the question a lot and it's like sometimes unprovoked and people will just ask me something. I'm like, I, it's so uncomfortable to ask somebody something they obviously don't want to talk about or something that they're not ready to share. And so it's nice to kind of flip it around. If you guys are on the internet at all, I'm pretty sure you have seen paparazzi pictures or celebrities wearing stars on their faces. These are star face best-selling hydro stars. It's a really fun star-shaped pimple patch. I had one of the co-founders on my podcast, Julie Schott. She talked all about the brand and I think you guys should go back and listen to that episode. I actually invested in them, which is why I think you guys should give them a try because they actually work and they're so cute. But cuteness aside, these are actually made with 100% hydrocolloid. It's an ingredient that helps to absorb fluid and reduce redness while shrinking your spot. You can just put on a HydroStar and remind yourself not to pop or pick at a pimple. They come in this really cute yellow compact and it holds all of your stars and it even has a mirror inside for really easy application. Starface has a full range of HydroStar pimple patches for whatever mood you're in. There's classic yellow, a colorful multi-pack, a solid black, and a cute blue star with salicylic acid. If you want to prep your skin for HydroStars, start by washing your face with Starface is gentle cleanser space wash then apply your stars to any spots you need Starface also has a new innovation. It's a powerful micro dart patch. It's called MicroCloud. These cute cloud-shaped patches are made with tiny self-dissolving micro darts that dive deep into the skin to target early stage pimples. They're filled with key ingredients like hyaluronic acid, niacinamide, and salicylic acid to help calm and hydrate skin for faster healing. MicroCloud is only available in the U.S. at starface.world. That's S-T-A-R-F-A-C-E dot W-O-R-L-D. And for a limited time, Starface is offering all Life with Mariana listeners free shipping on your first MicroCloud order. Just enter the promo code Mariana at checkout. Again, that's Mariana for free shipping on your first microcloud order. I want to go back a second because we were talking about Valentine's Day and like refocusing the love of not just a romantic relationship, but on others. And, you know, we're busy. We have work. We have personal commitments. How can we prioritize love with, you know, people in our life outside of romantic relationships? Because it is so important to have friendship and connection. Yeah. You know, I think the small things hit hard and give us a lot of leverage. I think a little text saying, hey, I was thinking about you or, you know, for my son, I do this little thing in February where I cut out a construction paper heart and I write one thing that I love about him and I tape it on his door and it literally takes me 45 seconds I'm, it's not like I'm like putting glitter on it and decorating it to the extreme. It, I'm not trying to like make this a Martha Stewart project. It's just a small thing. And I think the small things really add up. I think we often stop ourselves from expressing our love because it, we think that it has to be these big gestures. That's what we see in the movies. That's what we see in media. It's often what we see on social media. And, and then we can find ourselves just paralyzed doing nothing. 
But, you know, a little card, a little text, you know, a hug, the smallest things done regularly, I think have a big payoff. Yeah, I've tried to be really good at that too. Just like, instead of being like, oh, I need to call this friend the second that it comes up in my mind, I just text them in that moment. Even if it's like, hi, I was just thinking about you. And I might not even have anything else to say, but it was just like a simple hi. And it's so easy to send a text or a picture. Sometimes I'll look through old photos and send a picture like, oh, I love this picture of us from a few years ago, like just saying hi. That is so sweet. Yeah, you don't have to have an hour long phone conversation. And who has time, you know? (laughs) So so I think we just have to lower the standards for ourselves, stay connected, but have like reasonable expectations. And you said who has the time, because I feel like a lot of us don't. So how can we not feel guilty about taking care of ourselves and prioritizing ourselves? This is a huge one because again, as women, we really get all of these implicit messages that our value is in how we show up and give to others. And again, I come back to, there is this whole zeitgeist around, you have to put your own mask on so that first, before you can put everyone else's masks on, you have to fill up your own well before you can give to others. And what I have, what I take issue with is that there's always the second half. It's always about taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And I don't think men receive the same message. Where is the culture around just taking care of ourselves because we are worthy of care, period. And if you go into your life with that baseline belief, that baseline foundation that I am worthy of well-being, I am worthy of care, irrespective of how I show up for anybody else. Well, then the guilt just isn't consistent with that. If you're worthy of care, then there's no need to feel guilty about caring for yourself. In fact, it's your birthright. It's your responsibility to care for yourself. And I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are in relationships and dynamics at home where they are the caretaker and so much falls on them and they just really need to speak up for themselves. Do you have any tips for them of like how to be vocal with their partner of like, I really need you to help out here because I really just need to take care of me? Mariana, I am one of these people. You know, I, one of my biggest struggles is with burnout in all of the roles that I have caring for other people. And I love these roles. I wouldn't change a thing about being a wife, about being a daughter, about being a mother, about being a therapist, being a friend. I want to be all these things, but a lot of people need a lot of things from me. And One of my mottos is do less. Sometimes you have to make difficult choices to do less. Even though everything seems important, you have to guide yourself using your values to figure out where you can drop the ball because you can't carry it all. And I think communicating to people in a a loving but assertive way what you need is so important. And Mariana, when you do it, it gives you a lot of good information about the quality of your relationships. Because if you tell someone, hey, I'm sorry, I can't show up for you today in this way. I know I usually do, but I'm just really struggling. And they give you pushback. Well, can't you just X, Y, Z? If they have a hard time respecting your boundary, or maybe they pull away from you because you can't give as much to them in that moment, 
boy, that tells you a lot about the relationship and that should inform your choices about that relationship moving forward. So I think being assertive in a compassionate way is so hard, but it's so important and it helps us point the arrow toward what to do next. And then I know you shared this on your Instagram. I saw it, but I want to hear a little bit about what your platinum rule is. Oh, I love this. Okay. So, you know, platinum is, you know, more valuable than gold. Okay. And the golden rule, of course, is that we should treat others the way we want to be treated ourselves. And I love that for so many things. I love that. But I often think, especially in love relationships, romantic love relationships, the way that our partners want to be loved is not the same as how we want to be loved. So for example, some people want to be shown love through compliments, words of affirmation. Some people want to be shown love through acts of service or gifts that they give or physical touch. And people have different ways that they feel loved. So the platinum rule says you should love people not as you want to be loved, but you should love them as they want to be loved. And that's much harder because it's easy for us to show up and love people in the ways that make us feel loved. My, you know, love language is physical touch. So I want to be touched and therefore it's easy for me to touch my partner, but it's not his love language. And so, you know, holding his hand or giving him a massage isn't necessarily the way that he's going to feel loved. I have to show up for him using how I know he feels love, which is acts of service. And that's harder for me. I don't always have the bandwidth for that. And so, yes, 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 yes to the golden rule. But sometimes how can you elevate that and love others the way they want to be loved rather than the way you want to be loved? I love this. And it's something that I share with the people in my life and they all know this about me. So my receiving love language is acts of service because sometimes I just have so much going on. The most helpful thing and the most meaningful thing for me is just helping me in some sort of way because it makes my life easier. But my giving love language, what I like to do for others is I like acts of service and I like to give gifts. And so those are the things that I like to do for other people or like words of affirmation. So I know what I like to receive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that like I, it's like the same thing that I like to give and take. So it's so important. So do you think that we should just take the quiz for ourselves and kind of figure it out and then just let people know and then have them do the same? Yeah. And you know, just ask your partner. And the fact is, is they might not have ever thought about this in their life. And that might start a really cool conversation for you guys to explore each other. Jeez, I don't know. How do I feel loved? What are the easy ways that I show love? What's harder for me? I think it's a great way to get to know your partner better. And then I think, you know, this is one of the things we can do once we're in a relationship. But a lot of us, I think we need to get in the right place before we seek out a romantic relationship. So do you think there are things that we should be working on or things that we should feel before we set out to be in a relationship? Because I think what you don't want to do is not be in the right headspace, get into a relationship and then it not work out because it wasn't just like the right time for you. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's totally something to that. And I also have a little bit of a different take on it. So when we're in a relationship, I see that experience as living with a constant mirror in front of you. Being in a love relationship provides you this very kind of scary opportunity to always be seeing yourself through the relationship experience. And I really think that it's in a relationship that we often have the most opportunity to explore ourselves 
to do the hard work and to show up in a different way. You know, you it's not until you're in a relationship with someone that you often encounter parts of yourself that are weak or vulnerable or wounded that maybe you don't experience that when you're on your own. And it's when you're partnered that you have this opportunity to attend to these vulnerabilities, to these wounds. So I think relationship is such a wonderful opportunity to work on ourselves. And I'm hesitant to tell people, you know, you have to really work on yourself and have all your ducks in a row before you're going to get in a relationship because it's not realistic. And the fact is, is even if you do that, once you're in a relationship, you're going to level up and figure out new things that you need to work on. So it's not that I just tell people, you know what, there's nothing you can really do to prepare, but just be aware that you can work on yourself as much as you want. And I encourage you to, but once you're in a relationship, there are going to be new opportunities to explore difficult parts of yourself that you just didn't encounter before. Absolutely. And then when you're in a relationship, you realize like, oh, I I am triggered by this thing or like this reminds me of these things or like I need to figure out how to fight in a in a healthy way. And so if we have any of these old habits that maybe want to unlearn that we didn't realize once we actually get into a relationship, how can we change for the better for our partner or with our partner? Yeah. You know, there's I think there are a lot of different ways and part of it depends what resources are available to you. I am totally biased and I'm a huge fan of therapy because obviously I'm a therapist and I've been in a lot of therapy in my life and it's really changed the direction of my life. But that's not accessible to everyone. However, you know, most people can have access to exploratory journals or self-discovery work that they can find online or on podcasts such as yours. There's just a lot of opportunities for self-exploration these days, and a lot of them are free to people. There are lots of partner workbooks that you can do with your partner. I'm actually working through this new journal right now called Healing Through Words by Rupi Kaur. She's an incredible poet, and she wrote this journal that has all these prompts that ask you questions about yourself and then give you an opportunity to answer So I think just really spending time with yourself, sorting these things through, thinking about these things on your own and with a partner just really creates a lot of opportunity. And if we want to find a therapist, whether it's for a couple or for ourselves, how do we even go about finding somebody? Yeah, this is a tough one, man. I I really want our industry to make this easier on folks. The best advice that I have to give is the first thing you should do is ask people you know for a referral. So if there are therapists in your life or there are people you know that are in therapy, ask them, hey, do you know of any people who are who are good therapists? Ask your primary care doctor. People often have referrals, okay? Now, if you don't have a referral source like that, there's a cool website called psychologytoday.com. It is really a directory of lots of therapists and you can apply filters to find people based on their gender, their location, what type of therapy they practice, what their specialties are. And you can kind of sort through that to kind of see who might be a good fit for you. Now, when you are with a therapist, you know, it's hard to know, like, who is the right person? How do I know? What I always tell people is that, and the research has shown this too, the strongest predictor of success in therapy, meaning you get the outcome that you want. The strongest predictor is how comfortable you feel with that therapist. So 
It's just the quality of your relationship with that person that matters. It matters more than that person's training, which of course, if they have great training, they're probably likely to form better relationships, but it matters more than their training. It matters more than their degree. What matters is how you feel about the therapist. Do you feel safe in the room? Do you feel heard in the room? Do you feel like, you know what, this person may not share my experience, but they want to understand my experience. That's the absolute most important thing. And if you don't have that with your therapist, it's okay to go and try someone else and see what else is out there. Yeah. I was going to ask like, how many times do you need to give it to be like, okay, this is working for me. If it's not working for me and not feeling guilty about going to somebody else, especially if you're new to therapy. Yeah. Well, I think a never feel guilty about going to someone else. This is an investment and it's, it it can often be pricey, you know, depending what therapy you're pursuing. So never feel guilty about finding the right fit. And a good therapist will never make you feel guilty about finding the right fit. When I meet with someone for the first time, I always encourage them, Hey, you know, if you have any second guesses or you're not quite sure, I really encourage you to meet with someone else and let me know if you need any referrals because, you know, you, you, not everyone is right for everyone. It's kind of like partnering with a mate. You know, there's a compatibility factor that needs to be taken into account. So I would say, you know, to expect at the beginning, some discomfort, right? You are meeting with a complete stranger and you're probably not going to walk into the room and just feel totally comfortable telling everything that you're struggling with. So expect some discomfort, but you should feel safe. You should feel respected. And I think, you know, within three sessions, you should be able to really gauge your intuition and tell yourself, okay, am I walking out of this room feeling safe? Maybe I feel a little uncomfortable. I'm talking about difficult things or I'm being challenged or pushed to think about things in a new way. But do I feel safe? Do I trust this person? I think that's really good advice. And I think one of the other things too, since we're talking about love and relationships is maybe one person in a couple or partnership wants to go to therapy and maybe other person doesn't. So how can you convince your partner that maybe it's time to go to couples therapy? Mm. My, I think my answer is going to be unpopular, Mariana, which is that I don't think you can convince your partner And I don't think that it's the best use of your energy. It's really hard to get people to change. And, you know, if you've ever tried to change something about your partner, you know that your efforts are often not rewarded. And so if you want to go to therapy and you wish your partner would go with you, I think what you can do is model the process of going to therapy. Go to therapy yourself. Talk with your partner about how effective it is for you, how rewarding it is and what you're getting out of it. But oftentimes, Mariana, the more pressure we put on someone to do something, and the research shows this too, the less likely they are to do it. People want to do things of their own accord and not because they're feeling pressure. And so that's a really hard position to be in, to want to do couples therapy and have your partner not want to do it. You can talk with them in a non-judgmental way about, well, what are the reasons why? Maybe they've had a bad therapy experience in the past. Maybe they're worried that something difficult is going to come up that they're not going to be able to handle. Maybe they're just scared to open Pandora's box. Maybe they have family attitudes about therapy that there's stigma attached and you don't do that. Understanding why someone doesn't want to go, I think, can really help you. 
it gives you an opportunity then to address those concerns and make your partner feel heard and understood and not just pressured into it. Amazing. Well, I think this was all so helpful. I learned so much from you. If anyone wanted to find you online and find your resources and your website, can you tell us where to follow you and find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Molly Burritz, M-O-L-L-Y-B-U-R-R-E-T-S. And you can find me online at www.drmollyburritz.com. So that's Dr. Just D-R. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mariana. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.